high atop Boston, it's Celtics Express, where we bring you the latest in the quest for Banner 18. It's the Prince of the Parquet, the Captain of Causeway, the Governor of Green. Oh, wait, really? He quit? Okay, then. Here's your host, Jay Corwin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome into Celtics Express, the only place for you to find all the numbers, sounds, and chatter. You need to be a responsible NBA fan in just 10 to 15 minutes. We'll run a bit long today. Lots going on across the league. We come to you with recaps and previews several mornings a week. Keep track of us on iTunes, otgbasketball.com, blog talk radio, and of course at Celtics Express on Twitter. On this journey into the Celtics beat, we'll be joined by Celtics studio host for 98.5, the Sports Hub in Boston, Sean Silver, as we look back at Monday night's narrow victory in Denver. Also hear from NBA writer extraordinaire, the Socrates of the NBA, Mr. Matt Chin, to touch on some major waves in L.A., the league's trade landscape on the whole, how that could affect Boston. More on that shortly. First thing is first. Jalen Brown's three-pointer with 34 ticks left lifts the Celtics to a 111-110 win over the Nuggets in the Mile High City. His bucket snapping a 108-108 tie to put Boston in front for good. I have supreme confidence. I'm always confident when I let it go. I just wanted that one real. I wanted that one extra bad. So when it went in, I was relieved. Boston blew a 20-point lead and trailed heading into the final period as a tumultuous January continues. Then the Celtics couldn't hold on to a six-point advantage in the final two minutes. Nuggets tying the game at 108. Will Barton's desperation heave from three fell short at the buzzer for the Nuggets. The Nuggets inexplicably did not call a timeout to set something up there. Head coach Michael Malone defending that decision after the game. Jokic, 24 points, 11 boards, 5 dimes in the loss for the Nuggets. Trey Lyles, 20 off the bench as well for Denver. They had won their previous three coming in. Celtics head coach Brad Stevens on the effort. I thought our guys battled. I thought we looked gassed at the end of the game. We missed some defensive assignments, and I thought we missed some good opportunities on offense, but we found a way. Kyrie Irving scored 27 points to lead the Celtics, 10 of those in the fourth quarter. They now lead the East by a game and a half over Toronto. Irving showed his leadership at the end of the second quarter, diffusing an altercation on the court between the two teams. You could see Kyrie smiling as he told some of the young Denver players to go to the locker room. They showed respect for their elders and Uncle Drew and obliged. Kyrie spoke to NBC Sports Boston after the game. I was proud of our guys, uh, you know, especially down the stretch. Uh, but for me, you know, I was, I'm so hard on myself. And, uh, you know, there were a blockout with uh, Trey Lyles that I missed. And, you know, a few offensive rebounds that I missed playing the whole quarter. And, you know, I got to be better to set a better example for our guys. And, you know, we're, we're down guys. And, um, for me, it's just about leading the charge the best I can with Al and the rest of our leaders on our team. Um, but tonight, we took a step in the right direction. We took a best shot from a great Denver team and came out with the win. Super rook Jason Tatum pitching in with 20 points for Boston. Daniel Tice huge, easily leading the green in differential at plus 16 in just 21 minutes. Of course, Marcus the Slugger Smart remains out after punching, excuse me, swiping a picture frame in L.A. last week. That incident, oddly enough, a year to the day after he argued with some coaches, then punched a hole in the locker room wall in Washington. Whether or not Smart remains a Celtic after next week or after the season with his contract up remains to be seen. I can't imagine this latest transgression helps at all. It's now time to hit the phone booth and the Celtics Express customer service line as we welcome in Sean Silver to talk about Monday night in Denver as well as the Griffin deal. Teddy, hit me. Got NBA on the brain? Call the sex line 
Whoa there. That's Celtics Express Customer Service. Give us your take at 617-807-0013 to be heard on the show. It is the Celtics Express Customer Service Line. Give us a call. You could get on right now. We welcome in from 98.5, the Sports Hub in Boston, and their Celtics broadcast studio host, Sean Silver. Sean, as always, thanks for the time. Your thoughts on the game? Well, they needed that one. I think there's uh, you know, a major psychological advantage to going 2-2 two two on a West Coast road trip. What you had last night was vintage Celtics, and I made the mistake of talking to my producer in the second quarter and saying, hey, this is a night where you know we're not going to be sitting on the edge of our seats in the in the fourth quarter. And, <laughs> you and, should know uh, better. That general heart attack game. But 20-point uh, lead, they blew it all, and it comes down to a missed buzzer beater for them to get away with it. But I do like some of the things that I saw from this team last night in terms of uh, just some of the complimentary players uh, being aggressive. Jason Tatum, everyone's talking about that rookie wall right now. He had a, a pretty darn good game, shot 8 of 13. Kyrie Irving did his thing. And uh, Terry Rozier, also an impressive line off the bench. Daniel Tice, I could go on and on. It was a weird game. There was a lot of offense. Of course, the box score is going to look great. But overall, the Celtics did what they had to do to get home with the W. And, you know, it just makes you feel pretty good. They're playing the Knicks in the next game. That's a winnable game. Okay, maybe they've righted the ship. Yeah, great point, Sean. A couple things that really stood out to me was the complete lack of rim protection in the second half. Uh, you, you saw the Nuggets just going right to the rim, like at ease, over and over again. The other thing, to your point, I did see the aggressiveness of Tatum and, and Jalen Brown as well really stepping up. That's going to be a big deal heading towards the playoffs. So after the four-game West Coast trip, to your point, two and two, are you feeling better or worse than before that trip? Well, I never really felt bad. I think that you know if you're looking at the Celtics logically, uh, you understand what they should be in the wake of the Hayward injury, and with all of these, you know, things to remember uh, from the perspective of uh, Jason Tatum, of Jalen Brown. These guys are you know, one guy's a teenager, one guy's just off being a teenager. There's a lot to learn in the NBA, both offensively and defensively, to have that complete package every night and support a team that's supposed to be the number one seed right now is is a lot of work. So you're going to have letdowns. You're going to have defensive spurts like that third quarter where the Nuggets score 32 points and it gets ugly. There's warts on this team. There's no denying it, but it's still a very exciting team. It's a team that's moving in the direction that we want. Just have to kind of keep in mind that eh, as tough as this, this isn't the year that Danny Ainge is focused on uh, mm-hmm. trying to win something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be great if they did. It would be impressive if they did. But uh, this is a team that, that has a, a window here, and they're looking to slide nicely into that window starting next year with a healthy Gordon Hayward. In the interim, there's a lot that we can learn. There's a lot of fun that we can have. There may even be a trip to the conference finals or the NBA finals, potentially. But as we learn on a night like this, when you're in Denver, yeah, there's altitude. Yeah, it's a good young team with a lot of guys who can hurt you. Uh, it's you know not a team that's way above 500, and they can give the Celtics problems uh, just with the, consi- the inconsistency that you see from time to time. So I feel okay going into the second half here. I say second half because we got the All Star break going out, but uh, we're, we're already past the halfway point certainly. But I feel okay about this team. I'm just trying to look at it as realistically as possible. 
Sean, Mr. Sunshine Silver, reminding us this game is meant to be enjoyed. With that, we touch on the blockbuster trade. Blake Griffin has his Kia all packed up. He's heading east to the Motor City. The Clippers trading the perennial all-star to the Pistons. Part of a six-player trade, also including draft picks. L.A. shipping out Griffin, Bryce Johnson, Willie Reed, and a second-round pick to Detroit for Tobias Harris, Avery Bradley, Boban Marjanovic, who together with Porzingis shares the distinction of the tallest player in the league at 7'3", and a first and second round pick, that first round pick top four protected. The 28-year-old Griffin signed a five-year deal worth more than 170 mil in July. He's putting up 22.5 points, almost eight rebounds, more than five assists in 33 games this season. Sean, your thoughts on the trade, as well as the trade landscape on the whole as we head into the deadline. And will the Celtics make a move, and is it even worth it, given the space the franchise is currently in? Yeah, the Griffin deal, I mean, uh, that's got to really sting. Uh, looking at uh, the the stuff getting out over the summer about the presentation that the Clippers made to him, and every team is going to promise you the world, particularly where they're looking to get a multi-year commitment from you and keep you in town at big money. But, you know, the Clippers raising, uh, doing a faux raising of his jersey to the rafters, and six months later, <laughs> he gone. Um, L.A. to Detroit. <laughs> It's surprising. It really makes you wonder, what is L.A. doing? And does this trade really have any bearing on what the market is for some of those middle-of-the-road players like Tobias Harris or an Avery Bradley? Not quite Mm -hmm. a max-level player, but definitely an effective player. Is it realistic, or was this really the the Clippers just trying to shuffle the deck and they didn't really care what sort of value they got back? Um, As far as the Celtics, what are Danny Ainge's priorities uh, I think we know what they are, that it's it's a long-term thing here. But if he can bring somebody in on the cheap to help, uh, certainly with bench scoring, we're seeing more of it from Marcus Morris now that he's healthy and back. But there are games that Terry Rozier is not there. There are games that you know certainly you don't want to rely on Daniel Tice for scoring off the bench. That's an issue. As we said, rim protection is an issue. But I think it's going to be on the cheap uh, if they add somebody to kind of augment their run this season. As always, we appreciate your time, Sean. We will talk to you soon. You're very welcome. I know you have listeners all over the globe. Uh, if you're in Massachusetts out there, stay safe. we got a little sticky stuff coming down. That is the one and only Sean Silver at the Silver Fox on Twitter, 98.5, the Sports Hub studio host for the Celtics flagship network. We appreciate his time. As always, such a good NBA mind. Really cares about your commute as well. Thanks, Sean. What else could you ask for? Oh, wait, more trade talk? You say no worries. NBA writer and salary cap prodigy Matt Chin is here to discuss. Matt, you get any sleep? I know these roster shakeups are like crystal meth to you. No, I haven't had a lot of sleep. I've, I've podcasted twice since the trade. I did the post game for CLNS Radio last night. So I'm just grinding along here early in the week. Very good. So your thoughts on this blockbuster deal? Immediately I saw it, and I thought the Clippers got a pretty good haul for a guy who um, athleticism is his game. He's taken a step back there. Of course, injuries, the story throughout his career. Can he develop a three-pointer, which he'll need to do if he continues to thrive? Who knows what's going on with Detroit? They're clearly desperate. On top of it, the Clippers also get that protected first-round pick, protected first through four. But with where Detroit is this season, it looks like that could be a lottery pick. Add to that, the Clippers right around the playoff range. If they don't make it, they could be looking at a couple lottery picks this year. Add to that, Tobias Harris. Your thoughts on the trade, Matt? 
Yeah, it's a super interesting trade because we didn't hear a lot of Blake Griffin's name. I thought initially um, in the summer that if things weren't working out for the Clippers, that they could look to shop him just because he still has so much value um, as a theoretical premier player. Uh, I'll start on the Pistons side. Uh, for them, I think they needed a splashy move. Uh, they are 29th in attendance percentage, which is absolutely pathetic for a team that is trying to market a brand new arena yeah, to their fan yeah. base. Um, so I thought bringing in Blake Griffin was something that they could market to fans. And uh, they're so deep with so much committed money for the next couple of years that I don't think it was possible for them to hit the reset button. Obviously, Avery Bradley was not working out for them, so they needed a way to get off of his money. And Blake Griffin is such an interesting fit for me there because um, he's obviously play, used to playing with a non-spacing big in DeAndre Jordan, so that won't be as much of an adjustment for Andre Drummond. But um, Stan Van Gundy is used to playing a four-around-one big system. Uh, he used to having some stretch fours, your Tobias Harris's, Marcus Morris going back to his Orlando days with Rashard Lewis and Channing Frye. How does he adjust to having a non-spacing big like Blake Griffin? And this team's Achilles heel, Detroit's biggest issue, has been their shooting the whole year. And they just unloaded two of their better shooters with Tobias Harris and Avery Bradley. So they're going to really need players like Stanley Johnson. Uh, Luke Kennard, the rookie from Duke, to step up and really be able to knock down that three ball. But I think the really kind of open-ended side is the Clipper side. Obviously, they get out from Blake Griffin's money, about $141 million left on his deal. This opens up a lot of flexibility for them to go in a bunch of different directions. Uh, obviously, you could go after the season, go to LeBron James and Paul George and say, hey, you guys have been interested in going to L.A. How about playing with Pat Beverly and DeAndre Jordan over those kids down the hall with the Lakers? To me, I think that's a much appealing, more appealing package. If you're LeBron James and Paul George to play with those kinds of veterans. Uh, so for the Clippers, I saw that Woj tweeted out that they're going to continue to shop DeAndre Jordan. Uh, they're kind of in an interesting crossroads with him because Jordan would be such a nice player to pair along the back line with LeBron and Paul George, but at the same time you would want to get some assets for him if you're going to go in that rebuild direction. So now that they're out of that Blake Griffin money, you know they're only a year away from being able to tank and uh, really hit the reset because Taya Dosich only has a one-year option. Pat Beverly has one year left. Uh, Austin Rivers has an option. So really their only big long-term contract is Danilo Gallinari, which in an ideal situation... I think they could go to Oklahoma City, and if Paul George is really intent on leaving for L.A., then uh, the Clippers could go to Oklahoma City and say, hey, do you want to take some assets back so we could get Paul George onto our books, a la what Houston did with Chris Paul and the Clippers. If they do rebuild, I think our old friend Doc Rivers has got to be out. He's never been into the idea of retooling with young players and tanking for draft picks. So um, his uh, future with the team is kind of in an interesting situation. And then how this affects the Celtics, they have the Clippers 2019 pick that's lottery protected. So if you're a Celtics fan, you're hoping that the Clippers try to compete because the last thing that you want is for that pick to not convey until 2022, which is when it turns into a second round pick. I don't think any of us want to see something like that. Um, so, so many different moving parts here. 
Peeling back the layers of the Clippers and Pistons uh, trade onion. Very good stuff from Matt Chin. We really appreciate it. So, Matt, we'll leave you with this. Uh, with the trade deadline just about a week away, give us a prediction on another major trade you might see coming down the pipeline. Well, I think if you're a Celtics fan, you should be interested in someone who can create dribble, dribble penetration, create shots for himself, create shots for others. Um Ronald Tillery, who works on the Memphis beat, uh, suggested that Tyreek Evans is going to be moved to Boston. I think uh, that's a really um, intriguing move for them because he's a player who's on the cusp of all-star status, to be frankly honest, this year. Um, He's arguably the most improved player in the NBA. I think he would really inject some solid offense into their bench unit. Um, but they, he's going to be a hot commodity, and it's going to take a pretty sizable package to pull him away from Memphis. Um, we've seen rumors about Julius Randle, Larry Nance, which would add a lot of beef to their front line, a lot of athleticism. Uh, and then I think the Celtics are still waiting um, to use that designated player exception on Greg Monroe. Uh, if he's released or someone along those lines, maybe Ersan Ilyasova. But I think offense is the direction that you need to look if you're the Celtics. In terms of bigger picture, who's the biggest name that's going to get moved? I still think DeAndre Jordan is someone who could theoretically get moved if someone's willing to blow the uh, Hornets away for Kemba Walker. He's probably still available, but you know, with Blake Griffin coming out of nowhere to get traded, you have no idea what could possibly happen in the next week. It is uh, such a great time to be an NBA fan, to be an NBA fan on Twitter, hitting that F5, hitting refresh on every <laughs> single web page, uh, and seeing how all these moving parts shape up. A beautiful time to be alive for sure, and a great uh, follow on Twitter is Matt. Matt Chin, NBA, follow him. Uh, lots of great information all the time. Yeah, Julius Randle, uh, really interesting. I started reading about him and the possible move there. I like his game a lot. And Tyreek Evans, I like him. I worry about a bit of regression behind the three-point line from him. Can he keep it up? He's got a little bit of Evan Turner in him, I think. Um, but we'll see what happens there. It uh, should be an interesting next week or so. Matt, we appreciate your time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. We appreciate Matt coming on. He's all over the place. You can find him on CLNS Radio, Celtics Blog, and NBA Math. We take a look at the Lakers' watch as Celtics fans hope to get that pick this year and make the third stop of their five-game road trip Wednesday night against the Magic. L.A. had a four-game winning streak come to an end with a 123-111 loss to the Raptors on Sunday. They've been playing much better now, 19-30. All of a sudden, better than eight teams record-wise as C's fans await the lottery balls this spring. Next up for Boston, they return home Wednesday night to host the New York Knicks. The teams have split two games this season while holding the unicorn Christoph Orzingis in check. With that, we wrap another episode of Celtics Express. We thank our producer, Teddy Tuhat, our guest, Sean Silver, and Matt Chin, bringing the knowledge today, our legions of fans, and, of course, Dr. James Naismith. Find us on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, OTG Basketball, and on Twitter at Celtics Express. Don't fret that snow, East Coasters. Spring training is just two weeks away. Until next time, I'm your host, Jay Corwin. We'll see you at the garden.